Hi everyone! Today's episode features a segment on Boys Don't Cry, which features discussion of subjects that may be upsetting for some listeners, including transphobia and trans violence. Listener discretion is advised. If you would like to skip this segment entirely, time codes for it can be found in the episode description. Thank you. Hi, and welcome to Past the Golden Popcorn, an MTV Movie Awards podcast where we look at everyone's favorite People's Choice Award show, sort through all the categories, and try and figure out who really should have won. I'm Kenny Sage, a foremost kissing expert, or movie expert, sorry. <laughs> We're at the point where we're starting to switch jobs. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm Ben Gregg, a foremost movie, I mean kissing expert. <laughs> you always just have the more exciting one. That's yeah. <laughs> it's been nine episodes. Was about listen, to happen. Listen, we are we are both experts in kissing and movies. <laughs> and today we're welcoming the new millennium by looking at the 2000 MTV Movie Award. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, this was it. This was a year. Um, I don't think any of the movies were normal. None of them were like one of them came close to being like kind of like a normal palate cleanser, but even that one has its weird little moments. Yeah, um it's certainly what one might call a bittersweet symphony of movies this year. Um, yeah, this this year's kind of like um you know those memes where it's like uh it's like the four wheels on the cart and like three of them are fine and one of them is just like completely destroyed. <laughs> That's what this year kind of feels like. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we'll get uh, in into it. Uh, we'll get there when we get there. there there's a chance. Uh, there's a pretty good chance I'm just going to wind up throwing an old content warning before the theme song on this one, depending on. Yeah. Once we yeah. Get into Ab- it, because. Yeah. Absolutely. Like. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah, but I'll set the scene. So the MTV Movie Awards, yeah, 2000, happened on Saturday, June 3rd. Um, I'm starting to think, like, I had ran into something that made me suggest that maybe the date Wikipedia says they were, like, aired aired in the date they actually aired, or maybe a bit different, which could explain it. Like, I think they film it, like, a week before they air it. Mm-hmm. And that helps them get, get things in, so... You know, maybe everything is just happening on June 10th, but Wikipedia says June 3rd, so we'll stick with that. Um, They were hosted by Sarah Jessica Parker, and the opening article goes really into this, because I guess the opening of the program, Sarah Jessica Parker, of course, famous at the time for Sex in the City. So the award Mm. show did kind of a parody of Sex in the City and The Matrix. (laughs) Oh, I'm that features the Sex in the City cast, like, as just listening intently as Sarah Jessica Parker's, like, Carrie n- describes getting caught in the Matrix. <laughs> that actually sounds really, really good. 
Yeah, uh, and Lawrence Fishburne, who plays Morpheus, shows up, and Vince Vaughn plays the White Rabbit. <laughs> and then Jimmy Fallon plays Neo in it. <laughs> uh, what a strange bit. Also, apparently, because Sarah Jessica Parker at the time was considered a fashion icon, they had her appear in no less than 15 different costumes during the ceremony, including just at one point where she was just in a bath towel. So. <laughs> oh, man. It's definitely very, very 2000s. <laughs> yeah. It's really funny how this is all just put in there. I think just like someone just remembered the awards and just put it into the Wikipedia thing and <laughs> the old like consistency people did not just catch on to it. But yeah, <laughs> um, as one might expect, the Matrix won best movie that year Hmm. beating out american beauty american pie austin powers the spy who shagged me and the sixth sense oh and american pie also went into the best kiss presenters was who were like jason biggs and and manis savari i think that's how you say it who presented the best kiss award and oh nice Jason Biggs would go on to be a Best Kiss nominee a couple of years, and episode we'll talk about that definitely wasn't a problematic kiss at all. <laughs> a problematic kiss? Never to be found, especially not this year. Right, yeah, so... Yeah, and this is also a fun thing where only four movies get nominated for Best Kiss this year, but, like, pretty much almost all of them offer plenty to talk about. So, yeah, this was, oh yeah, very, very... It's probably not going to be shorter than, like, a normal episode. Oh yeah, this is definitely going to be, like, normal length, sans one movie. Yeah. Uh, well, so so I'll go in for the nominations. So, for Best Kiss this year, the nominees were... Drew Barrymore and Michael Vartan, Never Been Kissed. Katie Holmes and Barry Watson, Teaching Mrs. Tingle. Hilary Swank and Chloe Savigny, Boys Don't Cry. And the winner was Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair, Cruel Intentions. Yeah. What, what a winner this year. <laughs> yeah, um, the Cruel Intentions kiss, I kind of alluded to this, I think, in a previous episode. But not only did it win this year, but last year was awarded Legendary Lip Lock during the MTV's Greatest of All Time Movie Awards. Ah, I don't know if I even agree with that, with the ones we've seen, let alone the next two, two-thirds of award shows we have to watch. <laughs> I mean... Hmm, it's... Well, we'll, we'll, get to, we'll get to it when we get to it, I guess. Um, well, I mean, it's now. We start with the winner, as you remember. Because... <laughs> We, I, I feel like, I feel like the harder I try to remember it, the more I, the more I remember the opposite of like, we end with the winner, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's a good kiss. I think, <laughs> I think like, as like a kiss, um, do we want to go into a quick plot synopsis first? Yes, the quickest plot synopsis we can give a cruel intention. So yeah, this is very yeah, easy to summarize movie. Yeah, Just, this is the shortest movie I think on this list. And it has I, I think I wrote it down and like this is like a genre of movie. And I don't know what to call it other than movies that like never breathe. 
Like this movie never takes a breath. There's it's moving constantly. Um so I guess the best way to summarize or the I'll try my best to do a plot synopsis as succinct as possible. Um, um so Sarah um Gellard's character, Catherine, and Ryan um Philippe. Philippe? Ryan Philippe's character, Sebastian, are stepbrothers and sisters who, like, are make, like, a habit out of, like, messing with people's lives through, like, very, like, inappropriate means. So, like, the movie opens with, like, Sebastian's character talking to, like, his therapist, and he's, like, having his last meeting, and it turns out that he tricked his therapist's daughter into like like posting her nudes on Laura like he posted the therapist's daughter's nudes online because she was overcharging him and it's a really good tone setter i guess for the rest of the movie <laughs> oh gosh what happens after that so much stuff <laughs> yeah um would you be surprised if i told you that this was a modern update of a french novel from the 1700s <laughs> i would not be surprised at all that that sounds totally accurate to it <laughs> yeah um my french isn't the best sorry so but li- liaisons dangerous or dangerous liaisons and it's essentially about two french nobles who are narcissistic rivals who use seduction to socially control and exploit others and yeah yeah so yeah kind of near the beginning or i guess like after that sort of initial scene uh they're kind of creeping up on the on the beginning of the next school year and they each sort of devise um their own plan the um uh catherine's character um the catherine character uh wants to like destroy the life of um selma blair's character cecil because she's dating a guy that she likes if i remember correctly there's so many there's it's such a web it's such a web this movie um and she's gonna isn't that cecile or like yeah i think yes what did i say did i say cecil you said cecil (laughs) (laughs) yeah it is it is cecile Um, yeah cecile is this innocent girl played by selma blair who is dating or at least Catherine's ex-lover court who we almost never see outside of like one flashback yeah uh, yeah dumped her for cecile so she essentially wants to ruin cecile's like reputation Catherine's someone who she's very like sexual active and she kind of resents that women are seen as either madonnas or whores and that like she can't do the same things a man can do and without being judged for it. Yeah. Meanwhile, Sebastian is doing all these awesome things and not being judged for it. Um, so his, um, yeah, what Sebastian wants to do is that there's this, um, he finds like an article from like a, from like a, um, uh, like a celibate Christian girl who's going to be um, attending the school and is also like the Dean's daughter, like the principal's daughter um who is like sworn or like she's like very christian and like she's like oh I, i'm not gonna you know lay with anybody until i find true love and he's like i have to get with her because yeah it's an essay in awesome. of chastity until marriage for 
Annette Hargrove, played by Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. One of what the weird, like one of the rare stars from this period who doesn't get a best kiss nomination at some point. Yeah, that's, that is really strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're they're both they're both trying to do their the uh, Sebastian with his um trying to seduce uh, Reese Witherspoon's character Annette and um uh, uh um Catherine trying to like slowly kind of like ruined or set set up little domino pieces to ruin um uh, cecile's life yeah Um, and then uh just a bunch of like i don't know how to describe it other than just stuff just a bunch of like sex stuff (laughs) happens for like 40 minutes it's every character has sex with every other character um and like Sebastian falls in love with um with Annette. <laughs> um, like kind of slowly throughout the movie. There's sort of two um and then yeah, he starts to like fall for her. Um Sebastian and and uh and Catherine also have like a bet. Um and they're also <laughs> Yeah, Catherine wants Sebastian to sleep with Cecile to, like, spoil her in the eyes of court, and Sebastian won't because he's planning to do the Annette thing. So they make a bet so that if Sebastian fails to seduce Annette, then Catherine's going to get his vintage Jaguar, this car. But if, like, Sebastian succeeds, then Catherine, the one woman he's never been able to, like, get, is going to sleep with him. And weirdly, maybe anal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and weirdly, not the first um, step step incestuous. I don't know if that's a thing. Relationship on our kiss list, surprisingly. Yeah, the first one where it's played not really as a joke. Come yeah, on. it's not played as a joke. It's like, ah, uh, um, yeah. And this uh, is a teen it. movie aimed at teenagers, by the yeah. way. It's... Oh, yeah, this is, like, a very raunchy movie. It's, like, very inappropriate. Um, and, like, very, like, like um, I guess, like, cringy, for lack of a better word, at some points. Um, but, yeah, like, they have this bet, and Sebastian's, like, slowly, like, falling in love with um, with Annette. And they're, like... I wonder if you felt the same way I did, but you know how there's like kind of like the two like serious scenes when like the move and like the music kind of sets in. Mm-hmm. Um, those remind me so much of like the serious scenes from like or like the serious like endings to skits and like I think you should leave because <laughs> um, like I couldn't take them seriously at all because like like the ending to this movie is like pretty stupid and kind of awesome, but I was like super hoping that like sebastian was actually just playing like 5d chess this whole time and he didn't actually care at all um i was hoping i was holding out for that reveal but um yeah this movie sort of um (laughs) ends kind of similarly to um to my girl in one way in that um sebastian is hit by a car pushing a net out of the way after they kind of get together and then they break up because um, Sebastian sort of tells her about like the bet they had and like his like past and like how he he, he like can't be with her. Um, and then, yeah, so then he dies because he got hit by a car. Um, 
and he gives and before that though he gives Annette his like journal where he's been like logging every like all of his like his activities and like his stepsisters like activities and like all their like family secrets the set like uh Catherine or yeah Catherine's doing cocaine um that's in the book and yeah, Catherine does not come off looking good in that journal. Not at all. Is... Yeah, and the movie ends with uh, Annette um, during the funeral, like people are leaving, which is really weird. But they're all leaving because um, Annette had like photocopied copies of the journal, and everyone's like reading it, and it's like, oh, everything got exposed. And I think that is the best possible way I could I could summarize that movie. Um, there's a bunch of side characters too that are all that are all hilarious and great. Yeah, there's uh yeah, there's a lot going on. Um yeah, we we can circle back to some things. Uh yeah, yeah. Do, I just want future to best kiss winner Sean Patrick Thomas appears as this p older piano teacher who Cecile's into. Oh yeah. I really liked him. He was great. Yeah, and that's kind of a thing where at one point Catherine tells him that, oh, Sebastian hit me, and he violated Cecile, which he does kind of, like, violate Cecile, and it's played for laughs. Yeah, oh yeah, again, this movie is so... It's very for its time. It's very, yeah. And that's kind of the thing that leads to, like, this fight that gets Annette thrown in traffic, and Sebastian, like, pushing her out of the way. (laughs) I was... that, That was the funniest part of the movie. The, the cut to the funeral? Yeah, and then another thing I think that's there is when he breaks up with Annette, that's partly because, oh yeah, he he realizes he's fallen in love with her, and so then he's won the bet, and so Catherine offers like herself to him, but he's like, no, no, I only want a, a net now, and then he's like, I'm going to tell her the truth. Catherine's like, well, if you do that, that's going to destroy both the reputations. So instead, he tells her, oh, I just wanted you to be like a trophy. I don't actually have feelings for you. And she kicks him, kicks him out. And then he like tells Catherine, okay, I broke out with Annette. I want the reward now. And then like it turns out that he was the one Catherine was really trying to like get with a scheme. And she had manipulated him into falling in love with Annette and then abandoning her. And then <laughs> she refuses to sleep with him because she doesn't sleep with losers. Yeah, I uh, I think I wrote down because that whole scene. I'm like, I was like, kind of like in my head. I was like, is she, is she trying to like reverse psychology him to going back to her? And I was like, is that what's ha- is that what's happening right now? Because yeah, because like you said, he's he's sort of like breaking up with Annette because he knows it's like worse for her. Um, it's like no, she's just mean and vindictive. It's, yeah, it's, it's maybe the most fun Sarah Michelle Gellar has had with like a performance, give or yeah. take like Daphne in the Scooby Doo films. Oh it's yeah, like, oh yeah. In my notes, I also have um, I also have it written down. Um, I think I right. I was like, <laughs> I think I wrote like, please die, please die. That would be so funny. Like right after he gets hit by the car. Yeah. <laughs> the, um. Yeah, uh, another quote, a great quote from this movie is that um, email is for geeks and pedophiles. Um, <laughs> I wrote that one down because that was, yeah, this movie, ah, it's so tough to say if it's worth a watch or not. I'd say it's worth a watch. It's yeah, a very specific, like, like, trashy, dark vibe. Like, it's... Yeah, it's it's definitely, like, yeah. if you don't have, like, a good, like, 
uh, was it like uh, like cringe resistance? It might not be for you. Yeah, I'll say it's less like as far as like sleazy movies go. It's less sleazy than Wild Things, a movie we talked about last week in an episode we've definitely recorded already. <laughs> Absolutely, the things I said about it, I I still stand by. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've. <laughs> At this point, oh yeah, and Annette winds up with the, yeah, Sebastian's car and his journal, and then is just thinking of all the good times at the end, and in what's kind of like, it's sort of like the ending of the Terminator, except more positive, and there's yeah. no killer robots coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no cruel intentions. Um, I guess to bring it back around, yeah, the kiss, it's like. It's a very like kind of fan servicey kiss between um the yeah uh Sarah Geller's character and Selma Blair's character. And like it's like a good kiss. Um it's a very yes, I'd yeah, say I would say yeah, I would say if the Academy was just like if you if you I feel like if you devoided every single kiss on this list of context, that Ah, that might be the maybe that is the best one because in context it's just like it's just played for like a joke, um, and it's like it has very little to do with like the rest of the movie at all. Yeah. So the uh, the idea behind the kiss is although Catherine wants to destroy Cecile, part of this is involves corrupting her. So she's taken her under her wing, and she's going to like, show her this stuff, and she's encouraging her to, like, be promiscuous, and at one point she's like, you know, you got, you got a kiss, like, or, yes, so she goes to, like, show her, basically, to, like, demonstrate, and then, yeah, it's a real kiss, it's, like, definitely fan, fan service-y, which you can tell, like, both Sarah Michelle Gellar and Selma Blair, like, are kind of aware of this, like, it, it, even like their acceptance speeches, fan servicey, where someone's yeah. like, "Yeah, I want to thank Sarah for the hours of practice," <laughs> and then Sarah's like, "Oh yeah, and you know, thank you, Selma, for being like my most rewarding like kiss on screen." Yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, of course. And then he, and then they thank like the director and like producer and call them both like Sarah's like, "Yeah, thank thank them for being like perverts." And then, <laughs> yeah, if um if a kiss could wink and finger gun you from across the bar it would be this kiss it's like very <laughs> like it's pointing at the audience it's it's shining a huge light on the audience i would say it's very like yeah this yeah but yeah. oh and i'll give it the kiss like because again it's it's something for like when i learned how on the legendary one and i think that kiss is sort of one of the things the movie's most known for at this point. Yeah, and that... it is something that sort of endured. And when they won the tw- and when they won it, like the the greatest of all time, they did sort of a little video thing where they they were both sitting at a table, um, and they kind of talk talk about it. And some of Blair suggests that you know while maybe the kiss was memorable because it's you're not expecting it and. She yeah. also suggests that it was kind of a catalyst, sort of, in helping, like, younger viewers consider parts of, like, their sexuality that they had maybe not thought about before, and then just help them be more comfortable with themselves. Yeah. So, like, in a way, even though, like, it's definitely a fan y thing, and, like, 
Sarah Michelle Geller, she's loves the joke where she's like, yeah, you know, it, it definitely, I think, helps like switch a cultural paradigm and, you know, it was hot. So, <laughs> yeah. And then they go to recreate the kiss, but it's 2020, so there's plexiglass in between them and they just bump into it. And... <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, but apparently they're friends to this day and oh, when... And, like, Selma Blair, you know, kind of sadly revealed a couple years ago that she was dealing with, like, MS and Sarah Michelle Gellar when they did, like, sort of on one of those 20-year retrospectives. They kind of did their interview together so Gellar could kind of help her when she stumbled on words and stuff, so. Aw, that's so nice. Yeah. So, like, for all, like, the weirdness of the kiss and definitely, like, the thing, I think, you know, there is kind of, like, a positive thing that came from it, which was kind of funny. You know what? That's very, very nice. Yeah. yeah. You know, more sweet than bitter. I, I keep referencing yeah. Bittersweet Symphony because that's how the movie ends also. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, one other thing you might find interesting, Ben, is Cruel Intentions has... They did a prequel movie which had, like, none of the original actors, I think, but it sort of set up the characters in, and then they did, like, a Cruel Intentions 3, which was, like... Here's Catherine's cousin in like a wacky situation. Yeah. But a couple, <laughs> but a few on. years ago, NBC ordered like a pilot for a Cruel Intentions TV show with Sarah Michelle Gellar reprising her role. <laughs> and like I've seen, I got a hand through the you know means of internet of like the the pilot and the and the premise is that Annette kind of like got pregnant from her encounter with, like, Sebastian. And she's kind of been raising their son in the Midwest, and then one day, like, he's running into things, and he has questions about his past, so she gives him his father's old journal. And he, like, heads out and gets involved in, like, the family business, and Sarah Michelle Gellar is supposedly, like, reformed, but interestingly, and even though she's, like, married to someone, and, you know, still being undervalued for, like, her contributions as a woman like she is having an affair with her female assistant so they did kind of take that kiss and kind of you know just made made sure that kind of aspect of her character that kind of bisexuality and weirdness sort of carried over which i think is interesting yeah no that's super neat yeah and i mean the show never went forward probably for the best because i don't know how you make this into a network tv show but yeah i don't don't know if the cruel intentions ip is making a lot of pulls yeah but yeah no cruel intention definitely worth a watch through i would say after after talking it through yeah all Um, right yeah we can move on to never been kissed um i think the first um I think the first movie on on all of this list that actually has "kiss" in the name. Yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> it's it's what it's building up to, and yeah, I think yeah, this is definitely the most normal movie on on this list. I would say, um, which is <laughs> it's it's kind of damning in its own way, considering yeah, some of was... the stuff in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this movie again has like a very stra- it's a very strange, it's like a very I want to say it is self-aware about its like strangeness um almost to a fault. Um but yeah, this movie um it sort of has uh that classic, you know, high school movie kind of formula, 
you know, a la Sky High, where like new student comes in, is accepted by like the nerdy crowd, like after being rejected by the cool crowd, and then gets accepted by the cool crowd and shuns out the nerdy crowd. You know, this is just kind of sky high, but at a different time, you know? Yeah, except <laughs> there's something interesting about that new student. She's an undercover reporter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you do you want to do the premise of this movie? Yeah, I can do yeah, I can do this one. Um yeah, so Drew Barrymore plays this woman. She's she's like a young She's not even like a reporter really at the beginning. She's kind of just like a she's assistant, but she wor- yeah. she works in a newspaper under tough under tough tough editor John C. Riley. A <laughs> role where I'm like, this is why is John C. Riley in this part? This he's is not his strength. Out. Okay, she, yeah, she's a copy editor. Yeah, and they very quickly clarify that yes, of course the character has been kissed, but she's never like been really kissed. She's never had, like, a real relationship. Yeah, a real good kiss, yeah. Um, no, sorry, go on. <laughs> yeah, so so she's, like, in her mid-twenties. Her brother is, like, David Arquette, and he's kind of this former athlete who kind of... He got injured and he, like, blew his big shot or something, so they're both not living their best best lives, but Somehow she convinces her editor to let her report undercover at this high school for they're they're never really clear on what the story is supposed to be. Like part of it is it's gonna yeah. supposed to help parents become more aware of their kids' lives, but yeah, it's just catch the generic scoop, like find the scoop. Like I think that's actually what they literally say. Yeah, so they're like, what's the story here? And <laughs> What's going? Yeah, what's going on before? And should be noted that the third act of the movie involves they find out what they decide the story is going to be, and it's a situation they're going to contrive to entrap someone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So she's so she slips back into this thing, and she was unpopular in high school, and there were flashbacks to to this, like. People called her Josie Grossi, a nickname her like much more popular brother started. <laughs> so she like goes into the high school and almost immediately just slips back into old habits and kind of falls on the bad side of the popular girls and like the co- the cool guy. But the, and she runs into like this you know you know this nerd student who's much nicer at least. To people who aren't like the popular crowd. It's... Yeah. Yeah. If I can interject for like a second, like you really need to like have like a really good comprehension of like the kind of like tropes of like, oh, like the cool kids are always mean and the nerds are always nice. Without like that kind of prerequisite knowledge, she's super mean in some of these scenes for presumably no reason. It's like, a character I have to assume, like, you've seen Mean Girls, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, I'd have to assume that, like, it's one of those things. But, like, yeah, there, there are just some scenes where, like, the nerd, the kind of, like, main nerd girl just is just the aggressor and is super mean. And you sort of need yeah. to just have context of, like, okay, she's probably been bullied by these people before. Like... <laughs> yeah, so, like, in Mean Girls, like, there's Lizzie Kaplan's character Janice Ian, who's, like, the unpopular girl, but she, like, is also just snarky and mean. But Mean Girls is aware of the ways in which Janice is also mean, and yeah. this movie is, like, not aware of the ways that, like, 
the their essentially equivalent can be like mean. Yeah, exactly. There's no like there's no like greater thing about it. She's just kind of mean because the audience is supposed to like be like, oh of course like she's gonna be mean or else they're gonna mean be mean, mean back or something. Yeah, like it's that. they're kinda of, they're definitely relying on you the audience thinking, well she's just punching up. Yeah, ex- that, sorry, thank you. That is the perfect wording for it, yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, so she falls in with this group of like nerds, the denominators. <laughs> and um her this isn't like going in for like the editor. I think her initial pitch is like Oh, it'll be a cafeteria food expose, and John C. Riley's like, "What? No, that's so boring. Like, find the real story." <laughs> I think it was like they're running out of coleslaw. Yeah. Um. And now here's where, when we said this was the most normal movie, and that's kind of damning, this falls in. Yep. <laughs> she has his English teacher, played by Michael Vartan. You might go, "Oh, Michael Vartan, the guy who like this kiss was nominated with." Yes. So. <laughs> While posing as a 17-year-old girl, she starts developing feelings for her English teacher, who is, like, again, in reality, pretty close to her age, but neither of them know that. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, he doesn't know that. She knows that. Yeah, she knows, but he he does not know. (laughs) Yeah, and so, and they develop, like, this connection, which is just, um, not great, but... It is, I think, it is theoretically inappropriate yeah it's something where like it's the audience knows well it's she's not actually a student but he doesn't necessarily know um to his credit like michael vartan in interviews when i went up is like uh yeah i recognize how this is like inappropriate and stuff and i'm like it's like you know in my version of the character it's not that he's lusting after her it's that like they have this connection and like he falls for her as a human he's like i'm also aware that like this still like does not make it okay from like what he knows about the situation yeah and i guess to the movie's credit a little bit like there's no scene where like he like lusts after her like like very like yeah um but yeah this this movie this movie does really skirt the line though yeah, especially when like the newspaper plan as as like own as owner of the paper. Oh yeah, because she has two bosses, one of whom is John C. Riley, and then the other one is Gary Marshall. Yeah. Just... <laughs> one of like the first things he says is that like I come up with all my own stories from my own life. So like I was at home and my wife said this. Let's find out a story about that. <laughs> yeah. Just... Way to run like a publisher or like a news report place. Uh, oh, yeah, but there's a thing where, oh, yeah, to complicate things because eventually they're like, the reason you're not finding the story is the stories with the popular kids and you're not popular, you need to like find a way in. So, her brother, who again used to be a popular kid, also enrolls in high school. And immediately becomes popular and pulls her in. Yeah, <laughs> he gets. This popular. also comes to skirting the line where, like, he keeps oh, flirting yeah. with like high school girls, and she's like, "You can't do that." And then, like, she'll flirt with the teacher. He's like, "Well, look who here!" Just yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. It's his, not equivalent situations. Not it's... at all. No, the brother's character is like, I think on all angles, like, e like a very like uh, pulling pulling my collar away from my neck right now. Um, yeah, 
And then he also joins the baseball team and, like, turns them into, like, champions, which also is ethically questionable considering he's, like, an an adult. He's so much much older. Um, He does get popular by, like, beating the jock at, like, a coleslaw eating contest. And there's a scene where I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard, where the bully just, like, like, throws the coleslaw back into the bucket all defeated. It's just so funny because all of it happens in the span of like five seconds where it's like, how are you planning to get popular in like one day? And it just cuts to him like eating a bucket of coleslaw and everyone cheering him on. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, oh, yeah, because while they've been trying to do this, they they uncover that there's a local hangout called the court where like p- people are sleeping around and drinking underage. So yeah. the whole point of her being popular is so she can get into a court, but then a rival paper scoops them. So they set her up with a hidden camera, and they just watch her, like, footage of going around high school, and the office just kind of become, like, obsessed with it. Oh, yeah, everyone starts, like, watching it whenever it's on. Uh, no. Yeah. yeah. But they eventually realize, oh, here's the story. You're gonna, like, get your teacher to, like, kiss you and then it'll be a gotcha and she's like no i don't want to do that they're like oh no you're gonna do that and oh yeah setting up like a sting operation like a, a chris hansen type type situation yeah for like a situation again a situation they're contriving it's yeah <laughs> this movie's a lot of fun but also like it's also yeah. parts so oh absolutely it at all like, yeah, it's it's a very much like you kind of have to like you gotta go with the flow with this movie because like yeah because like if you if you dissect it, it's incredibly like messed up. If you're looking for a serious film about journalism, do not watch Never Be Kissed. Never been, <laughs> yeah. never been kissed. I know that I know that's on all of our journalist movie enthusiast lists, but yeah, you might have to strike it off. Yeah, yeah. so. Eventually, everything builds to the prom, in which oh, this there is loves prom. Yeah, it's it's a big prom thing, and the kind of flashback storyline of her original time in high school goes to a thing where the popular kid there had invited her to prom, and then it was like a prank. It was like a terrible, terrible prank, or there was some kind of thing. So she has this trauma with prom. So they're kind of going, and she attends prom with, like, the school's most popular guy, whose name is Guy. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, oh, right. There's also a thing where, like, yeah, the prom theme gets stolen, and yeah. somehow she pitches, like, a Shakespeare idea? Or, or no, she, it's, like, literary characters, but she dresses as um... Shakespeare. It's, it was like it was like meant to be throughout the ages. I think what it was, right? It was like, meant to be. Yeah, yeah. It was like big enough that. It, but this school gets so like they, they announced that like they stole the prom and people are like slamming their tests and like flipping books. They're so angry about it. Yeah, it absolutely cracks me up. Yeah, it's a really funny thing. Um, and then yeah, so at the prom, she wins prom queen, and it's going to be the big thing, and. And I think something goes wrong with her camera, or there's there's I, some she, reason why the, they she smashes it. I think like because she yeah I think she actually like takes it off. Yeah, but meanwhile, oh yeah, eventually like all all this Aldis oh, 
forget her name. It was, it was a few weeks ago when I watched this, but yeah, the the nerd is like the the popular guy is dancing with her, and it's supposed to be an act of friendship. But the mean girls are actually going to attempt to dump dog food over her. So this is what kind of like causes Josie to like realize, you know, what have I become? Like I've gone too far on far on this. And again, you know, even if like the like uh, Aldis is mean, she definitely does not deserve this. So she throws the crown away and she reveals who she really is. And she like praises Aldis and holds her up as a thing as like because she was the one who was kind to her and then essentially tells them all, hey, it's like, you you think this is important, but once you're in the real world, nothing you do here, like, matters. Nothing is, like, there. And then she goes to, like, the teacher, and then he's like, what the hell? And then she's like, well, <laughs> why you'd be, like, ha- happy? He's like, what? He's like, because now it's okay? Like, what? this is really messed up. <laughs> and it's, oh, yeah. he's gonna go and, like, move move because he has oh yeah he has this girlfriend who wants him to move to new york yeah they've been dating for five years and wants him to give up teaching and do like a real like finance job or something mm-hmm. and her brother's also upset because like he had the second chance at a baseball career yeah and then they, <laughs> yeah and also like is kind of exposed in like the process of her thing mm-hmm. and then the and ultimately like in the paper they're like well so what's the story now? What's the thing? So she tells her editor, like John C. Riley, she'll give him a story. And what she ultimately decides to do is she writes essentially the whole account of her experience, the whole, I've never really been kissed. And she, she describes all the kids at the school and definitely in like positive terms where even like the mean girls, she's like, you know, those girls you always knew were just all that, like in a way that yeah. could be like positive. Yeah, she looks like everyone in a pretty positive way, yeah. Yeah, and then it's, as part of the thing, oh yeah, because to make amends to her brother, she makes kind of a deal, we ultimately find out, and also to make amends with, like, the school where, because the baseball team has made it to the championship game, and they're not disqualified because one of their players was an adult the whole time. (laughs) And she kind of admits that, you know, I fell for this guy, and he was nice, and... The entire city is like moved by what's going on, and she basically is like, I'm going to come. Oh, yeah, because she tells the baseball coach, because this sort of intercuts her making this deal with like her writing her thing, where she's like, How would you like all the scouts and all the reporters and all the stuff to be there covering your baseball game? And he's like, Well, what are you going to do? So she tells him she's going to stand into the middle of the the baseball field, like before the game starts, and she's going to wait for like, Sam to come and give her her first big kiss. <laughs> so, so everyone like shows up at the game, and as part of this deal, she's able to get her brother a coaching job for this baseball team, which yeah. you know I guess is like a nice thing, and you know again gets him to act his age a bit. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think I think this is what kind of won me over to this movie in the end, where yeah. for as ridiculous as this all is, it builds to this thing where she is kind of waiting and. The last you have seen of Sam up to this point is as it's sort of going through a montage of people reacting to her story. He has gotten bought in a lot of copies of this paper and he's using it to line boxes as he packs his belongings. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you're like, 
Yeah, it, it never shows him like noticing the paper. It's like he like he's like about to grab it, and then the phone rings, so he leaves it on the table, and then it cuts away. Yeah, and it's but it's like this whole thing. So she's waiting, and the clock's going, and like all her friends from the paper are there. You know, John C. Riley, who's gone from like at some point, like he's gone, come to like believe in her. Like, yeah, like, yeah. he's, he's, he's a tough editor with a soft side. Which, again, yeah, I think, I think everybody, everybody, like, in the office, sort of like watching the videos, is like sort of come around her. And because she got like, she got like a new sense of like confidence being with like the popular kids at school. Yeah. And also, he has staked a lot of his career on this, on it being good. So the idea is like they're hoping for the good ending. So she's waiting for the clock and it like, t- there's a clock counting down and it runs out. And you're like, hmm. And then, <laughs> oh yeah, Beach, Don't Worry Baby by the Beach Boy starts to kick in. <laughs> and one of the best uses of that song, like, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I think second only to like when it's used in action, like time travel, Denzel Washington thriller, Deja Vu, but it just kind of <laughs> kicks in and all of a sudden Sam races onto like the field and he's like, I had a long drive. Oh, and then, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. no! Like he wait, he kisses her first, and then he's like, "I had a long drive." Sorry. <laughs> yeah, this movie uh, follows the rules of three and being late. I think there are like three times in this movie where a character's like, "Oh, sorry, I'm late." Like she's late to class, and then she's late to like a meeting after she becomes like popular because she's like pretty like distracted, and then he's late to the baseball game. Yeah, I don't know if that was intentional, but I wrote it down. And then they, like, kiss, and everyone's cheering. And unlike Speed, where it's just really silly, here it works. You're like, yeah! Yeah! yeah. And, like, and then everybody starts, like, kissing. Like, if, if like, two characters share a little bit, <laughs> oh, right. they start kissing. <laughs> yeah, just different yeah. pairings of and characters. It's, it's, it is the most feel-good as feel-good endings come. Yeah. Uh... Ben, you mentioned that like you watched this movie before one of the least feel good films in this year, and it was yeah, a big one of, one just... of the most feel bad, feel bad movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which we will get to, I think, at the end of this, probably. Yeah, um, yeah we'll through a good wait. coincidence of timing, it's like the last thing we have to talk about. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This movie, um, the ending of this movie, kind of reminds me of. Um, of uh, this one anime called Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Jesus. Um, yeah, one of the there's like there's a there's a season where like every episode like deals with like one character until about like two thirds in when like it all starts converging on one plot. So like you don't get like a lot of times with all these like characters, but like the last episode has like a big like sweeping montage of all these characters that you've had like one episode to get to know. And it's like, ah, oh, you didn't you didn't earn this but I still feel really good. Like, it's still really cute. (laughs) That's what this ending reminds me of, where it's like, I was like, I don't know if this movie is like, has like earned this good of a feeling, but I do feel this way, so I don't know if it even matters. Oh. Yeah. Funnily enough, like, to have another example that's not an anime, and I'll come in, um, in the final Twilight movie, the end credits, I don't know if you've ever seen, seen these, I, I've only seen the first one, yeah. Yeah, we're not going to... Eventually we'll talk about four out of five Twilight movies. But the end <laughs> credits for the last Twilight movie do essentially a curtain call for every single character where they kind of just <laughs> pop up as yeah. a fa- the song A Thousand Years by Christina Perry plays. 
And even though it's like it's some like of the Twilight just... movies are good, some are less good. We'll talk about it like eventually, but like by the end of it, you're just kind of moved. You're yeah, like, ah. Oh. I think there's a real art to like getting a really good feeling that's totally unearned. I think there's a true art to that. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the, the that is the only feeling I've ever tried to invoke in um in my masterpiece of cinematic uh, mastery, <laughs> Gorilla's Day Out. I wanted that to I the only emotions I wanted you feeling when I made that movie was un were unearned feelings. Um, yeah. Gorilla's Day Out, um, on YouTube now. Definitely good at, like, making you feel exactly what you're supposed to at any given time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, any, 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 any sort of, uh, uh and what are, what are your thoughts on Never Been Kissed? I guess any, any sort of final thoughts or thoughts? Yeah, um, just, I think the main thing I have to say about Never Been Kissed is when you name your movie Never Been Kissed, you're kind of setting yourself up to have a really good kiss in it. Yeah. And I think it pays it off. I am. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, yeah. And then it's, again, it's also an interesting contrast to the other two high school films that we were talking about Whoa. this year, particularly Cruel Intentions. Um, yeah, yeah, but, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, like, the thing I'll say is, Cruel Intentions and Never Been Kissed are both going to come up again in a couple years when we cover Not Another Teen Movie. <laughs> For, uh, I'm, yeah, I don't want to give it all away, but the, what, I'll say the kiss in that film that got nominated invokes elements from both of those movies. <laughs> in uh, a way I'm very excited to talk about. I cannot wait. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, the the yeah the next movie um, was very. I was surprised with how strange and weird this movie got. I'm um, teaching Miss Tingle. Yeah, um, uh, no, Mrs. Tingle. Yeah, maybe the film that has like the least cultural impact of the films on this list, but yeah, like it's a very weird film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like I I think I've I think this is. Definitely worth a watch at the very least at two times speed. Um, yeah, one hundred percent. So yeah, the the kiss in this movie um, is between um, Katie. Uh, is it Holmes? I guess yeah, Katie Holmes. Yeah, Katie Holmes' character uh, Leah Watson and Barry Barry Watson's uh, character Luke Turner. Oh, I um, just realized that her last name and like the yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I have it. I have it written down. I just noticed that too. Um, yeah, so this the way this this movie goes is that it's like another high school movie where uh, there's this girl named Leah, and like she comes from like a pretty. Um, I think it's like, Leanne. Is it? Oh, all right. So the it's I got this from Wikipedia, so maybe it's wrong. Her first name's Lee, and her middle name's Anne. I'm not sure if, if that's if that's like true or just like a, a mistype but i will refer to her, her as leanne for the rest i of mean the you watch the movie it's it's like yeah. leanne. Like it's... it is yeah um uh yeah but um so yeah she leanne comes from like a pretty uh like poor family so she's like really banking on like getting good grades so she can get like all the top scholarships um 
and the movie like opens with her like working on like an assignment where she essentially writes like a uh historic like a piece of like historical fiction type thing of like a diary from like a salem witch uh for like a history project um but her teacher in that class is <laughs> is mrs tingles who is a lovely character that i adore played by uh, helen mirren yeah and like oh my gosh i i hope she got compensation for all the damage uh to her back that she got carrying this movie um but she's like a teacher and she's like really mean for like she's like indiscriminately mean too like she's not nice to anybody she's just incredibly vindictive for no reason it's <laughs> no reason and spoiler alert there's never a reason or at least a good reason there's no real reason for her to be this mean to everybody. Like, she's jealous that her life just became like a teacher and all these other people have prospects. So she just sets her sight on destroying them. Yeah. So so yeah, she gives she's like implies that she um is like going to give uh Leanne's character like a bad grade. Um and then uh, another note all of like the high school the main three high school students um Leanne Luke and then I forget the th- third one um jolin what sorry jo- uh, jo- jo- jolin like jolin. the third like her her actor friend and of course then there's her rival trudy who like yeah. oh yeah trudy yeah i don't know if the wikipedia person making wikipedia is messing with me or this movie is just really funny because uh jolin is first name joe middle name lynn <laughs> at least according to the wikipedia um, it was yeah. the late 90s. Things got weird. <laughs> yeah, things got weird. I'll have to watch the credits again. But yeah, um, yeah, a quick side note. Uh, yeah, Leanne, Luke, and, and Joe Lynn. Oh my gosh. I They deliver their dialogue so weird and, and awkward <laughs> sometimes, especially Leanne. Um, oh, I wrote it down. <laughs> Can't you cut the alcohol? Is something that she says very early on in the movie. <laughs> yeah, Katie Holmes not the most natural of actresses by yeah. reputation. Uh, this, oh yeah, this is a quick thing. Oh yeah, this movie was directed by Kevin Williamson, who was the creator of Dawson's Creek, where Katie Holmes, that was kind of her big yeah. breakout role. He also wrote the screenplay for Scream, a film that has great crackling dialogue. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like, it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know whether it's like delivery or dialogue on these, but like, oh, everyone, Everyone except um, uh, Miss Eve Tingles, uh, Helen Amirin, is just like, ooh, it just not do, does not do a very good job, in my opinion. Or it's tough. Yeah, I mean, even Jeffrey Tambor is like phoning it in. Kind yeah, of. a little bit. Which is like, honestly, sometimes um, teenagers are bad at speaking. So sometimes it can add to it. Sometimes it's very immersive to hear like people awkwardly stumble through some things. Um, yeah, back to the plot. Um, so after she gets sort of the bad grade, um, she's hanging out with her with her two friends, Jolyn and Luke. And Luke like reveals that like, hey, I have like the cheat sheet for like the next exam. And like, and then Leanne's like, oh no, I can't. Oh, that's that's cheating. That's bad. And she like takes it from him. Um, and then <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> Mrs. Tingle walks in, and she's gonna like uh, like report them. But like the principal like isn't in and won't be until the next day, so the main the the three protagonists decide 
that they're going to like go to her house to try and like reason with her. Um, but things go a little south. Um, they start like barging in, and then Luke like threatens her, threatens Miss Tingle with like a crossbow. Um, to be fair, the crossbow was set up in an earlier scene. Um, I I almost want to like edit this movie where it isn't because I think it would be so funny <laughs> if Luke just came in with a crossbow. I think this movie could have been a, a, a comedic masterpiece, a master class of comedy. If it just came in with a giant crossbow. Um, yeah, the crossbow is like another student's history project and it like goes off and almost like hits yeah. someone and then so it, <laughs> It's supposed to be like confiscated. Yeah, this movie would have been a million times better without that scene. Uh, but still, even even with that in mind, hilarious. Um, so then they start holding her captive and like tie her to her bed, and they're trying to like reason with her. And she's like, she's not like, she's feisty. Like Miss Tingle is feisty. She's not like scared or like kind of like whimpering and if she ever is it's just like a ploy um and then they they kind of um leanne and luke kind of like leave to like go um like i think they like go to school to like devise like a plan and to like not make it super suspicious and they walk in and luke says like oh we're gonna like we're gonna take like ink like sexy incriminating pictures with like me and her and leanne goes like what the hell like that's something luke just said so i assumed that was like a one-off joke but that's like totally the plan that they're gonna go with yeah kind of what they like in in a weird way kind of what they end up going through yeah, so they devise this plan, and meanwhile, Mrs. Tingle just will constantly manipulate them. Like, at one point, she convinces Lynn to untie her, and then immediately attacks her, and they have to, like, tie her up again. <laughs> oh, like, oh my gosh. Uh, Helen and Mirren, amazing job in this movie. Like, super entertaining. They have this, like, plan that they're going to devise, like, taking, like, like, incriminating dirty pictures. Um, and then while also while all this is happening, um, Miss Tingle is also like start like finding out little bits of information to like use use against each other because she's trying to pin um, Jolyn against Leanne because Jolyn likes Luke and she's trying to like convince them that Leanne and Luke are like seeing each other like which they kind of are. Um, at There's like point. they have a long history based on like this relationship they almost had in like middle school or yeah, something at like, like a party yeah um yeah um and jolyn is the one who like was calling the school and pretending to be mrs tingle and saying she's sick so yeah, no and, one gets suspicious or looks for her yeah and everyone at the school does not like miss tingle at all and they're all super happy about it they don't question it at all because <laughs> like and she's just like the worst. Like, yeah. You do not feel bad for her at any point in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and she's absolutely wonderful. Um, yeah. So, like, as they're trying to like do like the like oh like dirty pick, um, apparently Miss Tingle for like a little while has been like 
up. She's not married, but she's like having like a nefarious, I don't know what the word would be for this, um, relationship with like the gym teacher who is married. Um, yeah. Also, so, it's weird that the film is called Taming Mrs. Tingle when she's not married. Like, it's... Yeah, or I guess she was. And that is explained in like the movie a little bit later on that like she had a husband. Um, she like, I want to see like, um, like kind of gave up like all of her dreams to like be with this man and then he just left for like someone prettier um so i guess that's what the misses yeah they so they kind of do explain a bit of like her pettiness but yeah she's been having an affair with jeffrey tambor's character richard spanky (laughs) i think i like half of my notes are just about the spanky scene um because they do this like this like weird like trying to like bait and switch where like they turn off the lights and they like blindfold him and then they like give him copious amounts of wine and then that way they can get like an incriminating photo while he's like passed out um and then they like kind of i guess just kind of drunkenly like kind of walk him home after they get like the photo so like now now Miss Tingle, now they have like leverage on Mrs. Tingle. Um at this point in the movie. Um and then at this point, um I think Leanne and Luke like start like like starting get, getting the hots for each other. And then I think they have this this movie's titular kiss, I'm assuming, is the fireplace scene. Um, yeah, is that where they like sleep together after Miss yeah. Tingle saying, I'm your future? Cause, <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, because she tells Joe first that Leanne and Luke had spent the night together at this party, and Joe, like, Lynn is very upset and leaves. And then Leanne, like, is just giving, yeah, Mrs. Tingle the kind of speech where, like, she's like, why do you hate me? She's like, you know, is it because I can leave town and I can experience life? And she's like, no. She's like, look, I used to be like you, and look what happened to me. Like, this is your yeah. future. She has, like, a really weird logic about it, where it's like, I can't let you succeed at all, or else you'll fail. It's like, yeah. it's, it's super duper weird. But, yeah. it can, but it does cause, like, Le- like, Leanne to go, okay, fine, me and Luca are gonna have sex, I guess. Like, it's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then they have like a passionate scene. A fireplace is panned too, so you know what that means. Yeah, uh, the kiss uh, is solid. Like it's... the kiss is solid. I I I, th- I do agree. Yeah, the kiss is is really solid. Um, it's no it's no Spanky and Luke kiss, but it is up there. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, this is uh, if I haven't said it already. This is a definitely watch movie. I feel like I said that at the top. This one's amazing. Yeah, um, well, again, it's not very good, outside like no, here, but yeah. it's very watchable. It's super watchable, and, like, yeah, absolutely. Um, um, yeah. I did find yeah. some interviews from around the time that said Katie Holmes handed Barry Watson a breath mantle on set, because she just thought love scenes are better with nice breath. <laughs> and also, this was her first ever love scene, and she was a bit embarrassed. She's like... Uh, it's not really romantic when there's 40 people around and you're in your bra. Like, yeah, it's a little strange. She's never seen speed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, and then uh, Miss Tingles is able to, like, escape because there's, like, a bit of, like, a crack in the wood that she's able, to, like, to slip out of. Um, and then there's, like, a big, like, confrontation 
she gets the crossbow. She then shoots it um, out the window. Oh yeah, and um, after after like the fireplace scene, um, they find like the grade book, and um, uh, Leanne's character like changes her mark to like uh, to an A plus, and then her rival's mark to a grade lower, so that way she'll get to be valedictorian. Yeah, um, her yeah, which is like a big big thing, and then Joe. Jolyn, like, is upset with her, and then Leanne, like, while trying to make amends, admits that, yes, they did have sex, which makes Jolyn, oh yeah, Jolyn essentially turn fully against her. But at this point, Tingle's escaped. Yeah. like, Yeah, Tingle, and then, yeah, so then she gets out, she gets the crossbow. Um, she ties have, like, Luke down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then they have their confrontation. Um where um, Joe Lynn is like being like, ah, it's, I'll 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 testify against you and with Miss Tingle um, because I hate you so much. And Miss uh, Tingle doesn't believe her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then there's she's like, like this is why you won't make it as an actress. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then there's uh, then there's a bit of a scuffle uh, cro- with crossbow. It is shot, and it it. Uh, it impales um, um, uh, the rival character uh, Trudy, who is like, who is like, come to Miss Tingle's house with like the grade book, being like, oh, "This isn't this this isn't gonna be correct. Why is my grade so low?" Um, so <laughs> they're kind of like all laying over her like dead body for a second, um, where like Miss Tingle kind of like confesses that it's like, "Oh, I I I did it," or like, "I'm." I'm really mean. I think she just kind of like admits that like she does things vindictively in front of I think the principals there or a police officer or both. Um, and then it turns out it w- didn't hit Trudy. It hit like the book she was holding. Yeah, um, she had an extra thick textbook. Yeah, and like the principal has walked in to like check up because I, I have, I think she alerts him that something's going on or maybe it's just she's been sick for a while. Yeah, the principal shows up. He's very shocked by what's happening, and then. She gives this whole confession where she's like, I wanted to like make her fail, like I failed and yeah. I shot shot her. Yeah, but then like exactly. Trudy was protected and is just furious now. <laughs> yeah. And then the movie just ends. And then it's montage with credits on top. There's not like a scene after that. I mean um, the principal, like it's definitely implied that Mrs. Single's gonna get fired. Yeah, absolutely. But... I, I was just, I was just, it just, you know, I was usually with movies like this, is like kind of like, like a final scene of like, oh, the dust is settled, but no, it just went right to credits and like graduation. Yeah, I mean, graduation's kind of the dust is settled. Leanne gets to be yeah. valedictorian, so yay. That's. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is just full of bad people doing bad things. Yeah, um, no. Again, kind of like Wild Things, a movie we definitely talked about. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No one's really sympathetic, but it's a lot of fun. It's yeah, it's it's definitely like it's not a good movie, but it is a fun, watchable movie. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and speaking of movies that um, aren't good but are fun and watchable, um, next <laughs> is a movie that is very good and is not fun, and you shouldn't watch it. Um, <laughs> boys don't cry. Um, I guess yeah. uh, if you you may or may not have heard uh, like a bit of like a um a a sort of a trigger warning at the beginning of this. This is if you have not heard that, 
Um, this is your first. If you have this, is sort of, I guess, your second. Um, this movie yeah. feels uh, like very like um, like traumatic thing. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll also I'm, I'll maybe put like also a time code like when I'm editing. I'll make yeah, that's a good note of how long this discussion lasts. So anyone who like does not want to listen to a discussion of um, trans violence yeah, and yeah, related yeah. issues of transphobia and things can kind of skip over that because yeah, yeah, this is, yeah. Mm-hmm. so yeah, most of oh, oh. the yeah <laughs> sorry oh I'll, I'll give like the run, run up because this is a film that i think I, I've been kind of teeing you up for this for, like, months, Ben, from, like, I think it's one of the first conversations we had where I'm like, oh, yeah, there's this film, Boys Don't Cry, that's going to be very upsetting to talk about, and you're like, we'll handle it. We'll yeah. handle it. Like, and I I didn't try and, like, go into details because I didn't want to, like, Spoiler. influence you too much one way or another, but then you watched it, and you sent me, like, a message on Discord that was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, Yeah. The poster makes it look like it's going to be, like, about cowboys. Um, cause I remember you, you sent that and I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be like, maybe like a, like a sad movie or something, but this is a traumatic movie. It's one of the most upsetting films I've ever seen. Like in, for this podcast, I typically will watch all the movies and will rewatch stuff. If I like, unless I've seen it within like the past, like six months or something, I will typically rewatch. And even if I've seen it in the p- past six months, if it's something good. I'll go, this film I had seen a couple years ago for a film class, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm I'm not re- going to rewatch this for this. Like, yeah, no, I don't think I'd, I'd watch this again either. Um, it is a good movie, though. That I guess that is, it's kind of the opposite of the other movies, where, like, this is a, like, it's a very, like, it hits you in the gut. Um, and, like, if you, if, if you kind of have, like, a, um, if you have like a because like those movies can be like not fun but like those movies can be like interesting um have like having like a like a kind of like a gut punch movie um like yeah that. there's been a lot of debate around this movie a lot of things to its quality to if if it needed to be this like tra- traumatic's a good word for it if if it's ex exploitative um there's i i definitely did some digging into like con contacts in for this one um obviously like a controversial aspect of this and the trans element is that hillary swank a cis female actor is playing the lead role of brandon tina a trans man yeah that yeah definitely um yeah yeah that's definitely something that's definitely like worth um trying to think about like um in like the 2000s like what the conversations around that would have been but i think if you're doing this kind of movie i feel like that is definitely like worthy of criticism where this isn't like a like oh this is like an of the time joke like if you're doing something pretty serious you should probably do your best to try and get representation in like places where it matters i guess yeah now i will say like again because i did a lot of research so going in what they say is a variety of actors including trans actors were auditioned but also in the late 90s like not as many people were openly trans mm-hmm. or living that that thing and so it necessarily was a bit harder to find so there was a thing for hillary swank but it does go into a legacy because swank did win best actress for playing like a 
trans man. And there's definitely a case that this kind of leans into a thing of the suggestion that, you know, maybe the movie sometimes suggests that Brandon is not a real man. Um, there's God, just so much to unpack about this. Yeah. This, this is why I've been obsessing over. I'm like, oh God, at some point we have to do Boys Don't Cry, yeah, which only is- got sidetracked where I'm like, oh God, we have to do this the episode after we talk about Lolita. Movie we've definitely <laughs> talked about at this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, Two very fun conversations in a row. Like, enjoy yeah. <laughs> our silly podcast about kissing movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely not something I'd be expecting. Yeah. Yeah, no, this, yeah, this movie is like, it's, it is a, yeah, it's a very tough, it's a very tough watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, if, yeah. And yeah. And like, especially like, kind of like the surrounding, um, like the things sort of like around the movie, like like yeah, having like a, a a cis woman play like a trans man, um, stuff like that is definitely like something to consider about this movie as well. Yeah. Also, this is based on a true story, and there's like some liberties from the historic record that some find controversial. Most most notably, um, the erasure of a third victim who was. Oh my gosh. His name was Philip Devine, and he was essentially dating Lana character's, like, sister in real life. And he was, like, a black man, and he was, like, also, like, disabled to a degree. He had kind of one leg and just sort of a prosthetic. And he was also kind of there in this deep southern town and, like, also, like, kind of died maybe as a witness, maybe like out of racism. It's very much a possibility, and like he's kind of been sort of just removed from this this picture, you know, probably because they really want to focus on one aspect of this narrative. But yeah, I guess they didn't want to make it um make it like yeah. too much handled too much like that. But yeah, you know, it's really oh, it's really upsetting actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Oh yeah. At this point, I will mention that uh, Ben and I are both cis males so yes. uh, this is where it, we'll do our say. best yeah. i'm going to apologize in advance if like we get stuff wrong um yeah uh take yeah. everything we say with like a grain of privilege um, yeah while like, i considered trying to find trying to find like a trans guest for this episode i also did not a i didn't want our first trans guests to be on an episode about boys don't cry um yeah, that's yeah. very violent and because all because b like this film was upsetting for us and i can only imagine like how oh, traumatizing yeah. it is if like for someone who more directly relates to brandon's experiences as trans to like see someone like you on screen who then gets um brutally raped and murdered like it's yeah it's yeah it's a very like it's a very visceral experience i don't think i would want to subject anyone like close to those experiences to it yeah so like i tried to do some research i read a good medium or article that i will link to link to like in an episode thing that kind of looks at this movie and from someone who considers it to be like violently transphobic so you have a kind of perspective for it and anything else i find after like the record like we want to try and get this as right as we can um yeah it's and again and if and if you're like oh this is not what I come to this podcast for, you're sorry. I promise after this point, the like movies that are like oh this is kind of problematic are much less like oh this is actually like 
bad. Yeah, it's it's mostly like um like uh like mildly homophobic joke like oh two dudes kissing ew like it's that is that that's kind of definitely not nothing at this level. Also, I'm um, a kiss involving Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. That's next week. Um, but that one is like gonna not gonna be as intense to talk about nearly as much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. At this point, it's just stuff like, wait, this movie's about uh, bounces about what? Um, yeah. And I'm excited for you to watch Bounce um, before I get into it. <laughs> like for next week's episode, it's it's gonna mm-hmm. be a wild one of what the hell? Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Alright. Um. Do you want to give the uh, the synopsis of uh, Boys Don't Cry? Yeah, and uh, again, I'll try and keep this, like, some synopsises, like, I think are more detailed than others. This one yeah, I will this, try this and keep be... brief. It's... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah. like, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah, so it is based on the, the real kind of story of Brandon Tina, this trans man in, like, the... Late, like early nineties, nineteen ninety three, really. So like, this happened. The events of this movie movie happen kind of within the first year of my lifetime. This film focuses sort of on kind of three, the final three weeks in his life, kind of, or well, the final couple months. It's but it's essentially yeah, essentially focusing on this period. So Brandon and Tina, portrayed by Hilary Swank, is a young yeah, trans man who essentially is discovered to be trans by the brother of a former girlfriend. And he has a record. He like his various things. He moves to a town in Nebraska called Falls City, where he befriends a couple of ex-cons and, and their friends and kind of goes into this group Specifically, he meets La- Lana T- Tisdell, uh, played by Clo- Chloe Vigny. Now, according to the like historic thing, Brandon and Lana only dated for a couple months, and the relationship ended when Lana found out that he was trans. But the film kind of hinges itself around essentially this love story to make it so it flashes onto something the audiences can sort of understand of the kind of romantic tragedy. Um, yeah, yeah, they definitely yeah. didn't want to double yeah. down on the sadness for that one. Yeah, to the extent that they should have done this, it's up for debate. Yeah, the real Lana was apparently not very happy with like the portrayal there, which yeah, is things. But the kiss happens like pretty. I mean, uh, the kiss I think that goes on happens like. Pretty early on, it's a nice one. I I forget if it happens like around the time like Ben. It's been a couple of years. Is "Boys Don't Cry" the song before or after the kiss? Like, um, oh, I I do. I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's a song after. That's the one part of the movie I still remember kind of enjoying as a thing, the song. Yeah, I, I think this movie is like, yeah, I think this movie has like very sweet moments um, in it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. There's little nuggets of, of niceness. Yeah, um, but Brandon is eventually detained on charges that came prior to this and he is put in the women's section of the prison and then Lana's like, well, what's going on? And 
he uh, and he lies and says he was born a hermaphrodite and he's gonna receive genital reconstruction like surgery. Um, she stops him and's like, you know, I don't care. Like, no matter your gender, I still love you. Which again, some of this also goes to the thing of the movie not maybe having the best, maybe not best presenting that you know Brandon is like a man and he should go as such. There are a lot of reviews that I think seem to mistake Brandon as just being like a like lesbian in denial or something like that. Which, yeah, yeah, and that that can definitely be like pretty harmful because that'll yeah. feed back to like a really really like harmful perce- perception of some trans people. Yeah, uh, the director of the film, Kimberly Pierce, who has eventually kind of come out as genderqueer herself, though in interviews I found, like, still seemed to like use she, her pronouns in referral. I kind of said that she had discovered Brandon's story through an article in The Village Voice. Uh, a couple years ago, the author of that article wrote a big apology, calling it, like, sort of, essentially saying it was really inaccurate and really harmful, because essentially back in the early 90s when investigating this, the authors sort of going for their own experiences had come up with this thing that Brandon was just a self-hating lesbian who was trying to get on a male identity because of uh, assaults he had suffered as a child and just kind of all this stuff. So the the movie is... Hilary Swank has always kind of referred to Brandon as he, him, um, and has always kind of just presented it. And is that some language around around it has not been as careful, but... Mm-hmm. And the movie definitely does a lot of dead naming and things that would not happen if this was made today. Um, but whether this movie would even be made today is still also a mm-hmm. thing. But um, eventually, though... Like Brandon's friends find out and they are shocked and they are like disgusted. And then one of yeah, one of the male friends and there, there's one who's kind of a blowhard and one who seems like more like a nice guy. But then the nice guy, um, like well, for, first they force Brandon to like remove his pant and reveal like his ge- genitals and they like are trying to do it a thing. And then uh, there's. Can no even sugar coat this, but like they rape him and it's very upsetting, and you are essentially forced to like see this both as it happens, and then Brandon goes to the police and it flashes back to it. Oh yeah, because he's warned not to report, but he tries to do it anyways, but the police is more concerned with uh Brandon's sexual identity crisis than anything else. Yeah. And yeah does not arrest them. And ultimately, these two men um, get drunk. And, oh yeah, Brandon's been kicked out because he'd been staying with Lana's family. And he winds up staying at, like, the farm of their... Yeah, yeah, the farm of their friend, like... Candace is... Yeah, Candace, who is the... Who is another victim of this like real life story? Who was essentially yeah, Lane Brandon stay out on their farm and kind of hide hide out. And eventually they come and they track him down, and they like kill, shoot, and kill Brandon very violently, very upsettingly. 
And then Candace, who has a baby and is trying to like spare the baby, they also shoot her and kill mm-hmm. her. And then, oh yeah, they stab Brandon's body for good measure, and they don't kill Lana, but like Lana's there trying again to like stop, and that essentially ends with Lana and the baby being left with these corpses, and Lana like spends the night, and her mother takes her away, and. It ends almost, I'd say, again, for the structure of romantic tragedy, it ends not dissimilarly to, say, your cruel intentions or your, like, my girl or your untamed heart or what the original ending of True Romance was going to be, where the man is killed and the woman, like, survives and it's kind of finds the strength to go on for their experience. In this case, done through a letter that Brandon has written to her declaring their love. And you learn that the like two assailants were essentially like arrested and charged and put on like death. At least one of them was on death row. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the film that had me shaking on a bus for like an hour, like yeah, over absolutely. an hour after my class ended. Yeah, I watched this one um, right uh after never been kissed and it, it gave me such emotional whiplash it is a it is a incredibly um like traumatic visceral like sad movie yeah and it's like it's very like it's one of those things where especially i think um like for the time like delving into like this territory it's like it on one hand you should absolutely like uh be critical of the movie where it like has short short uh follies but also like kind of like trying to understand that like dealing with this kind of subject matter is going to be this you're it's very difficult to do um like well and that could also even be a criticism of like the director for maybe not doing enough research or not um like getting more perspectives on it as well yeah i'll say i I think this movie was made with, like, the best intentions. I yeah. think it really appears it's definitely related to, like, a brand a Brandon struggle of trying to claim his, like, identity to himself, and... It definitely wasn't made with yeah. cruel intentions. Yeah. Um, definitely in interviews I've seen, like, when asked about the legacy, I guess it was not until, like, 2016 where she actually encountered people who were displeased with the movie, and... She she like essentially is justified including the the rape scene in there even though it's upsetting because she's like well I'm Jewish the Holocaust upsets me but like if we were making a movie like they'll probably get shown to like a degree because with the argument that you kind of have to show it to show it's not okay and I think there is something to be said for this film as shining light on kind of an epidemic that is very unfortunately still ongoing like a very like trans violence is a very real problem yeah um yeah but the issue with that approach is then that also makes it this this seems to be a movie to teach straight cisgender people hey look how like look how bad this is and maybe this yeah with maybe at the expense of any trans person who might want to watch this movie, because especially, like, in film, like, especially for trans men, 
there's not a lot of representation for them yeah. on screen. It is kind of sad that like one of like the few examples that you have of like representation is like something so like with such a um with such like a high barrier to entry in terms of like um emotional like a threshold you have to have to watch it. Um Yeah. And maybe if like there had been more movies since that like had if there was a variety of options, maybe this wouldn't be quite as like stark, but yeah, when it, you're it's one of those things where choices. um yeah, it's one of those things where um uh, I'm trying to think how how to word this, where it would be like it's easy. I don't want to say easy, but it's easier to like have a movie um about at this time about like trans people. Um if it's like about them being trans and like a very trans struggle a struggle especially based on like a true story then it would be about to have movie that just like had a trans person in it um just just like how how like society would react to that and how much like backlash you might get from certain people yeah because again most people like trans films and movies in the 90s typically it was trans women who were presented as like deceitful or like yeah, well, like um, Silence of the Lambs, a movie that actually, like, I think is as good as it can be in trying to present those characters with empathy, but also has like Buffalo Bill as yeah. this yeah person who like many people just saw. Oh, that oh is that like just a tra- trans woman, the like male pretender, which again yeah, yeah. caused like a lot of harm and yeah, absolutely. So, and the yeah, there was that um. I don't know if it's out yet, but there's that book that J.K. Rowling was making, making, which was just, like, horrible. Just, like, absolutely, like, totally playing on that stereotype and, like, trying to fear-monger in that way about, like, um, about, like, the, like, the, that, that very same notion. Oh, yeah. Eventually, we're gonna have to cover Harry Potter movies. <laughs> God. Oh, there's nothing problematic about Harry Potter. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> gonna be a great time. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, trying to see, like, what else do we have about? Yeah, this is just it's 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 a tough movie to to talk about because because it's not there's not really much to. Well, there is there's like a lot to say, but it's like it's like pretty serious. It's not really like about the movie. It's more about um, like grander issues. Yeah, stuff we're definitely not equipped to talk yeah, about. Absolutely. But yeah, um, and again, if we've done something like wrong, please let us know. I want like that feedback. I want to like learn and oh, yeah. do better. I want to hope that we stumbled through this as best we could. Hopefully, but yeah, I know there's yeah. always room for like improvement on this. Yeah, I always, I, I, I always want to learn about stuff like this because yeah, yeah, and just know to like any trans listeners that you are real and you're valid and like you matter and. I'm very sorry that like there's this thing is this stuff happens. It's, yeah. Yeah. So on that note, it's probably good we did this last because if we were like, no, I've never been kissed, it's gonna be harder to like just go, hey, da da da. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah, so movie rankings. Um yeah, um this is really, really tough. I kinda wanna put uh, boys don't cry in like a different category because it's just not at all on the same spectrum as these but i will definitely try to put it somewhere um i would have to say probably it would mm, i want to say it would yeah it would probably go something um like uh boys don't cry 
teaching Miss Tingles, um, never been kissed, and then cruel intentions. Or no, uh, um, sorry, at the top we would have boys um, don't cry, um, and then second we would have um, teaching Miss Tingles, and then third we would have cruel intentions, and then fourth would be never been kissed. I know we don't usually do it in that order, but in terms of okay, movie, yeah. Um, I think that would be the kind of like the ranking I would give them because, um, like in all in all honesty, like as as um, as traumatic as like Boys Don't Cry, um, like was it was still a movie that like, it, um, I don't. It's not. It's weird to say like, oh, I really enjoyed this movie, but it it is enthralled. The right word. It really engaged me. I guess is a good word for it. Yeah, I'll say I was more positive on Boys Don't Cry as a film when I initially watched it, and then over the years, it's just have kind of like doured on it as I've learned more about like events and the backlash ar- around it from audiences yeah. there but definitely like I can like I it's still a movie that I think is pretty respected and I understand like and as you said like you're not even sure if it should be on the list of this these other ones like it's, yeah that's kind of why I, I I would either put it at like the top or the bottom because I feel like it doesn't even fit on like the same the same scale as as the other three um, yeah, the other three are like going for very different very, uh, vibes than yeah, this, which is like an independent film, even yeah, exactly. though it got like a big release. Um, yeah, but I would say out of these four, I would say Boys Don't Cry was like the most like engaging, like the most um, most emotional, and like definitely gave me gave me the most to think about as well, which I think is like worth some merit. Sure. Yeah. yeah so yeah. So mine again, Boys Don't Cry on the bottom, though. Again, it's kind of on like a different. Uh, category that I'm together like yeah really hard to compare and then mm-hmm. teaching yeah above that teaching Mrs. Tingle and then yeah ne- never been kiss and then I would have like cruel intentions uh, at the top because like I think yeah it's interesting like a cruel intentions and teaching Mrs. Tingle are both kind of there as sort of dark high school stories because I just <laughs> think cruel intentions is but partly it's because it has a better cast and not just one person that it has to hang it around. But like, it's yeah, just yeah. definitely a better executed version of like that. Yeah, I think I think possibly Cruel Intentions is like a review that I might enjoy a little more than um than uh teaching Miss Tingle. But like teaching Miss Tingle, Miss Tingle is just absolutely like, ah, oh, she stole the show for me. Whereas like um whereas like San- Sandra Geller and um and um what's his name uh sebastian's character they they kind of they kind of had they were kind of pulling double duty they were kind of splitting the attention um yeah that's, yeah well, that's fair but yeah. how the kiss kiss and do god it's uh, hard to even it's still a moment yeah. it's very yeah. serious matter. i would say yeah, I, I think i would yeah i think i would kind of follow your um kind of go with that i think i would put Boys Don't Cry at the bottom, not because I think it's like the worst, but because I think it's just in like a different category and it's definitely going for like something like very, very different. Whereas I think the ones above are like more or less kind of going for like either like a comedy one or like a like a, a very like uplifting one. Mm, you know what? I actually scratched that. I think the bottom would probably be the Teaching Miss Tingles one. Um, I think it, it's like it's like a good scene, but like the kiss is kind of like Eh, and like the characters are kind of eh to me. Um, anyone who isn't Miss Tingle or Spanky in that movie, just ah, just a snore for me. Um, <laughs> and then above that, I would probably put the um, the uh, 
Mm, I'm throwing everything out. I'd probably put the Cruel Intentions one there. Um, Because it's like a good kiss, but it just, it has no, it has no like oomph to it at all. Um, And then I would put like the Boys Don't Cry kiss, just because like, it's just a very like, if I, if I, if I could just like put everything controversial about Boys Don't Cry to the side, it is like a very, very sweet story at moments. And I think one of the moments is that kiss, um, is the kiss between um, the two, the two main, the two love interests. Um, yeah, and then at the top, uh, never been kissed. Such a feel good moment. Um, absolutely, like, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a, uh, definitely like a needed, a needed sort of um, like protective cushion before watching Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because when you're like, yeah, I watch like Never Been Kissed first. I'm like, oh no, maybe I should have told him to do that one last because it's like the most feel good of them. But um. Yeah, so for me, yeah, teaching Mrs. Tingle kiss at the bottom, um, and then boys don't cry. Again, it's a good kiss for a movie that I'm very conflicted about on every level. But you know, in judging solely on like kissing smooching, it's good. And then, yeah, when it comes to the top. It's tricky because, yeah, the never been kiss kit kiss is again really feel good, just really yeah. like powerful, really effective. But then I'm also aware that like cruel intentions kiss is one that is very meaningful and iconic to people. And yeah, I, has, I, I think, yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, I, I'll say, even if like it doesn't win here, maybe like when we eventually do our greatest of all time, where we try and like fight out for the greatest kiss i say that still i think should be revisited there to see how it how it stands after we have like the next couple decades ahead of us um but yeah that being said oh and this is why i awarded bound a couple episodes ago because i knew that never been kissed i think just has to get that top spot for me like it's (laughs) i'm not gonna say almost nothing in that movie i like if the kiss was bad, then I think the movie just would not work as well as it does. Oh yeah, would like the kiss is good and like it saves that movie. Absolutely. Like, oh, dude, if you cut the last bit of that movie, that movie I think would probably be like the worst movie on this list. Like that movie is like it skirts by and it's like really uncomfortable sometimes, and it's like pretty funny at points. But like that, the ending, like having like a good ending, is so important to a movie because like that's what it leaves you with. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And with that, um, I think that brings us to the end of 2000. And yeah. Just checking the time. Yeah. <laughs> In an episode that it's it's probably not going to be as long as like the big 1998 one, but uh, or the 1999 one, which we've definitely recorded, and I know oh, how yeah. long that one will be. Yeah, that, that that number sure came after that other number and the length of time that it took us to do that one. Oh, oh yeah, 1998 was just shy of two hours. Like, it's like 157, I think. But no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's close. I mean, I'll edit out some stammers and some pauses. Like, well, we'll see. Yeah. This one will probably uh, be a cool, like... You've been editing out all my iconic stammers and pauses? That's what I wanted to be known for. I'm the guy <laughs> that stammers. <laughs> I keep some of them in. <laughs> Honestly, I'm probably more there about 
my tendency to just stop in the middle of sentences briefly, where I'm like, ah, 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 but I digress. Anyways, um, recommendation of the week. Ben, what you recommending? Uh, I'm going to recommend this is like a a um, kind of a two two parter, two slash five parter, I think amounting in a total of ten parter. Watch um, every Final Destination movie and then watch this YouTube channel called CZ's World. Um, watch all of his videos of like blank number of things you missed in Final Destination, Final Destination 2, um, Final Destination 3, The Final Destination, and Final Destination 5. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it's actually really, really neat. I love stuff like that. I think those those movies are kind of like the Saw movies where like they like have like they're goofy and stupid, but like there's like weird attentions to detail that I don't I don't understand <laughs> uh, why they put so much work into it for like something that's like not very good. <laughs> Oh, I think like four out of five of those films are good, and then four is just kind of like fair. But yeah, yeah, I think I think you're totally right about that. Um, it's, it's like totally depends on who's the director. The director like flip flops. I learned that by watching the um, it is C Z uh, S World, uh, his YouTube channel. I don't, I haven't watched anything else he's made. He seems like a cool guy. Um, but he did he. I remember a year ago, I was looking up for like, I was look, trying to find these exact videos, like exactly like what he did, and he did it, and I'm so happy. Um, Great. Oh, last thing, sorry, I, then I'll be done rambling. Um, the only thing I could find, and I still think I have it in my liked videos, was like a video from like 12 years ago made in like PowerPoint, where it's like, and it's playing like rock music in the background, like recorded off like a phone. <laughs> Um, it's like Final Destination 3 like you notice that like the picture is really bright and they get caught on fire and like the resolution is like 144p <laughs> and it's awesome <laughs> but I, I, I did truly hope that there was like a more professional video that went over like all the little details you may have missed um, but um, either watch those movies or watch the videos or do both that's my recommendation of the week Right. Um, my recommendation of the week also is going to go in the horror film. Um, yeah. So we are recording this episode on July fifteenth. So it's technically not done, but Netflix for the past couple weeks has been releasing these films, this horror trilogy, Fear Street, which is kind of loosely inspired. Well, definitely inspired by the R.L. Stein novels, but not exactly based on them. Um, the first one is set in 1994. The second one is set mostly in 1978. And tonight, as a record, I'm going to watch it in a few hours. Part three, set in 1666, largely is out there. Um, they're really good, really fun movies. They're gory. Like, if you can't sound like blood or stuff, like, there's a lot. <laughs> the first one's an homage to, like, 90s horror, and the second one kind of 70s. and it's just really good character work, and it's it's a film kind of about this town, shady side that has long been under the curse of this witch who was burned at the stake in the 1600s and has since, essentially, at different points throughout history, will possess random shady siders and make them go on killing sprees. Meanwhile, the town of Sunnyvale, right, their sister town is just prosperous and nothing bad ever happens there. 
So it really does become like, it, it's kind of these scene horror films, all these people just trying to survive and find a way to break the curse. But also just as an interesting thing on like inequality as expressed through like these teen horror films that also do a lot of like just crazy needle drops, including m- multiple like makeout scenes to versions of the song Sweet Jane, which you might remember from Natural Born Killers, Ben. Just oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, man. Um, and they're really good, and I really love them. So that's low what I got. Uh, really quick, you said you said something that's a really last last tangent before a little closeout. Did you? At, I know it's been. I think it's been a while since you watched the Teaching Miss Tingle. Um, and I watched it very recently. Did you understand at all, like the pa- the parallels they kept on trying to make to like a say the Salem witches? Because I didn't understand it at all. I tried really hard to be like, in what way are they like? <laughs> Because like, they're not the, everything they're that they're being accused of. They did, which is like I mean, not the same. She wasn't going to cheat on the test, but yes, yeah. yeah. The film makes a very stupid like <laughs> okay. analogy. I'm glad because um because I you're 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 one of my um my smartest friends when it comes to like film analyzing. And I thought I just completely missed it. And I thought I was being stupid, but I'm glad it's the movie that was being stupid with that. Look, there's a reason Kevin Williamson didn't direct another film. And it's because this <laughs> one was like a poorly reviewed bomb. Oh yeah, absolutely. If, if, um, if, yeah, if this movie, um, like, uh, didn't have, uh, Helen, Helen Mirren, it would be it. Oh, it would have been droll. It would have been absolutely droll. And I don't say droll that often. Yeah. So, what do you got to plug, Ben? I already, I already plugged. Oh, yeah. I thought talking about my my socials. Um, I am uh not two pens on Instagram, so that's not underscore two underscore pens. It's the number two. Um, I'm I'm about to. Well, not about to. I'm. Cl- I'm not even close. I'm going to post like a Weezer tier list video on there probably soon. No, not soon. Um, uh, you can find me on my Twitter. Um, it's uh, at Fut Albi. That's uh, Fut underscore Albi. Uh, F-U-T underscore A-L-B-E-E. Uh, and those are my two socials that I am uh, not uh, totally embarrassed of. Okay, great. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Like a Wolverine. You can find me on Letterboxd, a film site where you can see some more of my opinions on films, also under Like a Wolverine. Uh, For this podcast, our theme song is done by Matt Samard, good friend of both of ours. Um, He's a cool guy. Don't tell him I said that. (laughs) Yeah, Um, he's he's very uh, socials-less. Uh, if you have a question about him, if you DM, DM it to me on Twitter, I, w- I can I can project it to him if I feel like it's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Ben did our artwork, and it's really cool. <laughs> you can follow us on Twitter at goldpopcornpod. You can email us at passthegoldenpopcorn at gmail.com. And, yeah, I think that's all I got, except time to announce what's coming up for 2001 next week so for best kiss 2001 the nominees were john abrahams and anna ferris scary movie ben affleck and gwyneth paltrow for bounce 
Tom Hanks and Helen Hunt for Castaway, Anthony Hopkins and Julianne Moore, Hannibal, and the winner was Julia Stiles and Sean Patrick Thomas in Save the Last Stand. So, yeah, um, thank you for sitting through two episodes in a row that I've had, I'm sure, very <laughs> not fun, serious talk segments. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, if we ever say anything that is, like, wrong or uh, ill-informed, uh, please inform us. Yeah. Are, oh, yeah. rate, rate, review, subscribe. That's what I forgot to do. <laughs> do those things. Just sorry. We, not... we we care deeply about uh, political issues and equality, and also don't forget to like all our social. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's what we're gonna get letters about. Yeah, <laughs> that. But yeah. Uh, don't forget. Keep passing that golden popcorn yeah um and just remember you're loved you're valid and don't worry baby everything will be just fine it's the beach boys <laughs> <laughs> uh, bye-bye uh, that's all for now <laughs>